Peace be upon you. So since the time of Adam, God has been sending revelations to his prophets, bearing scriptures. And the only scripture we have to date, that every letter, every word, every verse, every chapter can be validated and proven to be the unadulterated word of God that's infallible, untamperable, is the Quran. And this doesn't negate the other scriptures. There's plenty of wisdom. But as far as our religious salvation goes, understanding what laws we have to live by, what our religious rights are, the only source we should be looking for is in the Quran. And it's interesting the human tendency to look for religious laws and sources beside the Quran, uh, looking at things created by men and uh, looking for extrapolations beyond what's in the Quran. Now, we can get inspiration from anywhere. And it's a blessing from God to be able to, you know, uh, be inspired by uh, the words of uh, literature or philosophers and uh, different understandings. But when it comes to our religious salvation, when it comes to the duties in our religion, uh, understanding what it is that God expects from us, what the purpose of our life is, uh, what it is we're here to do, the source should entirely be the Quran. Now, this is a fact that on the day of judgment, the messenger is going to say, and this is in chapter 25, verse 27 through 30, it reads, The day will come when the transgressor will bite his hands in anguish and say, At last, I wish I had followed the path of the messenger. At last, woe to me, I wish I did not take that person as a friend. He has led me away from the message after it came to me. Indeed, the devil lets down his human victims. The messenger said, My Lord, my people have deserted this Quran. And this is a proclamation from the messenger uh, that is going to come that the people from the time of Muhammad to today and into the future, that we have deserted this Quran. And it's so obvious when you look at you talk to most people who uh, understand Islam or are Muslims themselves, when it comes to the duties of the, uh, the religion, they pull sources beside what the Quran is. And it's our absolute duty as a submitter to God alone that the only source of religious law we use is the Quran. In chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Say, whose testimony is the greatest? Say, God's. He is a witness between me and you that this Quran has been inspired to me to preach it to you and whomever it reaches. Indeed, you bear witness that there are other gods beside God. Say, I do not testify as you do. There is only one God, and I disown your idolatry. The only message that the messenger preached was the Quran alone. He did not come bearing any other revelation, any other teachings. His teachings were entirely the Quran. So if you want to follow the messenger, it's our uttermost duty that we follow only the Quran. In 1746, it says, We place shields around the minds to prevent them from understanding it and deafness in their ears. And when you preach your Lord using the Quran alone, they run away in aversion. And this is how you can tell if someone is a true believer. Are they fully content with the Quran alone? Or do they choose to put other sources beside the Quran? Uh, and this has to do, again, with religious understanding and duties and rights. God's words are precise. They're concise. They tell us exactly what we need for religious salvation. And the second we set up a source beside God, what we're doing is we're setting up a God beside God. In 1827, it says, You shall recite what is revealed to you from your Lord's scripture. Nothing shall abrogate his words. You shall not find any other source beside it meaning that the only source we follow is the Quran. What inspired me to do this podcast was uh, I was listening to some critics of Islam. And what's interesting is the bulk 
of their criticism has nothing to do with the Quran. It has to do with these traditions, these innovations that have entered a religion that have no basis whatsoever in the Quran. And you look at the way, you know, ISIS, ISIL, the Taliban, most of these people have zero understanding of the Quran. They follow tradition, they follow hearsay, they follow innovations, they follow everything else, and they do not follow the Quran. In 6.1.12 it reads, We have permitted the enemies of every prophet, human and jinn devils, to inspire each other fancy words in order to deceive. Had your Lord willed, they would not have done it. You shall disregard them and their fabrications. And this is what the devil does. The devil wants to create something that sounds catchy, that sounds like it's inspired from the Quran. But anyone who's knowledgeable in the Quran realizes that most of this has no basis whatsoever. 72 virgins. Where did this come from? It's not in the Quran. Any description of heaven is purely allegorical. Um, you know, this aspect of blowing yourself up. God in the Quran prohibits uh, the, the act of suicide. It prohibits being an oppressor. It prohibits aggression. These are not Quranic principles. Uh, in the Quran, it says oppression is worse than murder. Uh, God hates aggressors. You know, if we do any of this, we're not following Quran. In 1746, or sorry, uh, 6113, it continues, this is to let the minds of those who do not believe in the hereafter listen to such fabrications and accept them and thus expose their true, their real convictions. And this is what happens. God creates a system. Those who are devoted absolutely to God alone would follow only the word of God. But if, it, if you have a tendency of idol worship, if you believe that there could be a God beside God, what you're doing is you're setting up a source beside God. And that becomes exposed when we follow a source beside the Quran. Because the Quran is the only proven uh, word of God. And the, the beauty of this is every single letter, every single word, every single chapter of the Quran is numerically coded uh, via the mathematical miracle of the Quran. And um, we did you know, several podcasts on that. You can look up online. Uh, and it's, it validates every letter, every word to make sure that the message that was sent to us from our creator has been untampered. Anyone who understands encryption they know that you have a public key and a private key. God has provided us the, the, the key to unlock the message of the Quran. And that key is the number 19, and it has to do with our sincerity. Those who are sincere will have full understanding of the Quran, and they can validate every letter, every word of it, to make sure that nothing of it has been uh, uh, changed from the, the time it was revealed to Prophet Muhammad's heart, to what we have today, that this is the message that God intended for the world. In 42.21, it says they, uh, they follow idols who decree for them religious no laws never authorized by God. If it were not for a predetermined decision, they would have been judged immediately. Indeed, the transgressors have incurred a painful retribution. There are so many of these religious laws that hold no basis whatsoever in the Quran. Another one is this concept of a hijab, uh, women having to cover their hair. This has zero foundation in the Quran. The Quran says the only criteria is to dress modestly and for women to cover their chest. That's it. That is the the, uh, the minimum requirement. And it says if you want to uh, appear more righteous, lengthen your garment. But this concept of, you know, the word hijab in context of clothing does not exist in the Quran. Uh, but you see people that they, you know, uh, in Iran and Saudi Arabia, the way that they treat women uh, who they believe have to apply this dress code that has no basis whatsoever in the Quran. In 460, it reads, Have you noted those who claim that they believe in what was revealed to you and what was revealed before you, then uphold the unjust laws of their idols? They were commanded to reject such laws. Indeed, 
It is the devil's uh, wish to lead them far astray. When they are told, come to what God has revealed and to the messenger, you see the hypocrites shunning you completely. Now, this is a message that most people run away from. Uh, these are traditional Muslims that you, you use the Quran, you use the verse of the Quran alone, and they shun you for it. Uh, they're, they're not satisfied with it. They want another source beside it. They want their innovations in regards to what side you sleep, what foot you step into the bathroom with, you know, how you eat your food. These aren't criteria that has any Quranic foundation whatsoever, but the religious innovations and the people who choose to follow those and believe that if you don't abide by these laws, you're committing a sin, show that they believe a source beside God. God tells us in the Quran that the Quran is fully detailed, that there's examples of everything that have to do with our religious salvation. In 638, it reads, all the creatures on earth and all the birds that fly with wings are communities like you. We did not leave anything out of this book. To their Lord, all the creatures will be summoned. Meaning everything we need for a religious salvation is in these 114 chapters, 6,234 verses. This has everything we need for a religious salvation. There's nothing that God has left out because that would mean that God made a mistake. In 6114 it says, say, shall I seek other than God as a source of law when he's revealed to you this book fully detailed? Those who receive the scripture recognize that it has been revealed from your Lord truthfully. You shall not harbor any doubt. The word of your Lord is complete in truth and justice. Nothing shall abrogate his words. He is the here omniscient. If you obey the majority of people on earth, they will divert you from the path of God. They follow only conjecture. They only guess. And I've had so many of these discussions and debates with people. And they say, hey, let's not talk about the Quran. Let's talk about something else. And when it comes to our religious duties, our salvation, the only book we have that our, is our guiding principle, is our beacon of hope, is the Quran. To bring on another source beside God means that we don't believe in God's, God's message. God is telling us the Quran is fully detailed. There's explanations of everything. Everything you need to know for your religious salvation is encompassed in this book. But if we come and take a source beside that, that means that we don't trust in God. We don't believe in God's message. In 1854, it continues as we have cited in the Quran every kind of example. But the human being is the most argumentative creature. When you tell people this, you say, look, the Quran has everything we need. We don't need any other source, be it Hadith, be it Sunnah, be it tradition, uh, be it any other book, scholar, philosopher. All these are not necessary for a religious salvation. That the only thing we need with the Quran is most people, they argue against this fact. In 39.27, it says, we have cited for the people every kind of this example in this Quran that they may take heed. 16.89, the day will come when we will raise from every community a witness from among them and bring you as a witness of these people. We have revealed to you this book provided explanations for everything and guidance and mercy and good news for the submitters. And we know that this book Right Again, it's mathematically coded in the sense that when you send an encrypted message, you have a key that you can unlock that encryption to guarantee that the message has been untampered with. And the Quran works in the exact same mechanism. In 1788, it reads, say, if all the humans and all the jinns band together in order to produce a Quran like this, they can never produce anything like it, no matter how much assistance they lent one another. We have cited for the people in this Quran all kinds of examples, but most people insist upon disbelieving. And a lot of people, when they read this in the past, in regards to the humans and jinns, they were thinking of the literary challenge of the Quran, because the Quran contains, you know, the uh, the literacy of it is amazing. The symbolism, the allegory, 
the way that the uh, in Arabic, the, the rhyming bells that uh, facilitate memorization, you know, the scientific discoveries, the prophecies, all this are phenomenal. But then one thing they didn't take in consideration is the mathematical structure of the Quran as well. The fact that every verse, every letter, every word is mathematically coded to validate that the transmission we have has been unaltered from the time it was revealed to Prophet Muhammad's heart to today. And um, this is something that can't be replicated. Uh, again, we didn't pick the text. We didn't pick the letters. We didn't pick the number. All this was encompassed inside the Quran for 1,400 years. In 752, it reads, We have given them a scripture that is fully detailed with knowledge, guidance, and mercy for the people who believe. So our source of religious law has to be 100% only the Quran. We can't pull on any other sources when it comes to our religious duties. God does, isn't short on words. He gave us everything we needed for religious salvation in this book. And what's awesome is when you read the Quran, there are no contradictions. Um, in 482, it says, why do they not study the Quran carefully? If it were from other than God, they would have found in it numerous contradictions. And this is what inevitably happens. Is when we set up a source beside the Quran, what we're inevitably leading towards is contradictions. Where the Quran is going to say one thing and that other source is going to say something else. A uh, perfect example of this is in the dietary prohibitions where the Quran is very concise as far as what is prohibited. In 2.173, 5.3, uh, 16.115, and 6.145, God tells us the dietary prohibitions. And it's simple. No running blood, no meat of pigs, not the fat, just the meat, uh, no carry-on, and no animals dedicated to other than God. But if you look at other religious texts... They'll tell you all kinds of crazy things that are prohibited and how, you know, things have to be halal and this and that. And if it's one of these four, it's prohibited. Otherwise, it's lawful for us to eat. It's that simple. And God tells us in the Quran, it gives us the example of what happens when you put up a source beside the Quran. It says, we have cited for the people every kind of example in this Quran, that they may take heed, an Arabic Quran, without the ambiguity, that they may be righteous. God cites the example of a man who deals with disputing partners. In this example's hadith, compared to a man who deals with one consistent source, be it the Quran, are they the same? Praise be to God, most of them do not know. How many times have we looked at religious texts beside the Quran and found numerous contradictions in there in regards to the day-to-day -day habits of what a you know uh, submitter or believer is supposed to do? But when you look at the Quran, there are no contradictions. It's concise. It's perfect. And what's awesome is that it contains everything we need for a religious salvation. And um, in 12.3, it says, we narrate to you the most accurate history through the revelation of this Quran. Before this, you were totally unaware. And we see this, these religious texts where they're talking about history that has no foundation, no basis whatsoever in the Quran. The way they depict, you know, the uh, the, the Prophet Muhammad, the, uh, the, the believers of the time as being these tyrants, uh, violent, bloodthirsty individuals. These has no basis whatsoever in the Quran. And these were innovations, you know, historical inaccuracies that came to formation. 300 plus years after the prophet's death, and they have no foundation whatsoever in the religion. Um, all kinds of nonsense attributed to the uh, the prophet. And um, what's interesting is when you look in the Quran, what's God opens up the door. For those who are sincere, those who believe, it's going to be a guiding uh, beacon for them. And for those who disbelieve, it's going to open up the tyranny in their heart. It's going to lead them farther astray. And an example of this, you look at the Constitution. You know, the Constitution's about the, 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 the Bill of Rights, the uh, right of the people. 
and they say it's a living document. And you see, people will twist the, uh, the, the Constitution or twist the laws of the people to be, allow them to do all kinds of vice. And this is no different between the Constitution and any other book. Human, it brings out the true human tendency. You think about it. We have a law in the United States that we are not allowed to torture. Yet you can go and find lawyers who will find every single loophole in understanding and this and that to justify the torture of individuals. And this isn't immune to any document. And the Quran is not uh, immune to that as well. It has to do with the sincerity of the people in their heart. God gives us the example in 1667. It says, the fruit, and fruits from, uh, of date palms and grapes you produce intoxicants as well as good provisions. This should be sufficient proof for people to understand. Now, we know in the Quran, intoxicants are prohibited. And God is telling us that the grapes can either be produced to provide something good of benefit to the people, or it can be used for something that's going to be detrimental, in this case, intoxicants. But the choice is ours. There's nothing wrong with the grape itself. The grape is a blessing from God. It's a provision from God. The question is, how do we use it? And God tells us in the Quran in 1782, it says, we send down the Quran, healing and mercy for the believers. At the same time, it only increases the wickedness of the transgressors. And this is the reality. This Quran, it's going to lead people to heaven and to hell. The determination of that is has to do with our sincerity. If we are someone who's devoted 100% to God alone and we try to lead a righteous life to the best of our ability, God is going to lead us in the right path. But if we're someone who uses the Quran, uses religion in order to grow our egos, in order to become an oppressor, a tyrant, this Quran is going to amplify their disbelief. But ultimately, that choice is up to us. In 83.7, it reads, Indeed, the book of the, the, the book, I'll, I'll start again. Indeed, the book of the wicked is in Sejin. Do you know what Sejin is? A numerically structured book. Woe on that day to the uh, rejectors. And then in 83.18, it reads, Indeed, the book of the righteous will be in Eliyin. Do you know what Eliyin is? A numerically structured book to be witnessed by those close to me. And the way I understand these verses is saying Sejin is a numerically structured book and a book of the wicked, and Eliyin is a numerically structured book and a book for the righteous, meaning that the same book can be twisted to either be looked at to create sin and evil and vice, or can be used properly, in essence, to grow and develop one's soul. And this is what's happened with the Quran, and we have 1,400 years of history of this, where people have used this book for good and for evil. And the thing is, the content of the Quran is for a, is a blessing from God. It's healing and mercy for those who, uh, who deserve it. But at the same time, it's going to increase the wickedness of those who do not deserve it. And they're going to use this Quran and twist it in order to be able to justify their uh, bad behavior. And it's obvious. Anyone who has the slightest bit of sincerity and understanding of the Quran can tell the difference. God says the true believers, when they hear the Quran, it's like they recognize their own children. When you see someone doing all kinds of vice and nasty behavior and attributing it to the Quran, you know 100% that this has no Quranic basis, that these people are twisting and changing the words of this uh, Quran or making it seem that they're taking uh, verses from the Quran when they have no basis from the Quran in order to justify their bad behavior. And to continue, it's interesting. One of the things is some people... They say, you know, well, the Quran doesn't cover everything. Uh, there's things in there that, you know, uh, it doesn't address. Uh, because if it did, it, it should be much longer than what it is. And the reality is God has put 
only what we need in order for a religious salvation. Meaning if God overlooked something, didn't address it in the Quran, it's because we didn't need it for religious salvation. The answers are all there. In 5101 it reads, O you who believe, do not ask about matters which if revealed to you prematurely would hurt you. If you ask about them in the light of the Quran, they will become obvious to you. God has deliberately overlooked them. God is forgiver, clement. Meaning God knew exactly what he was putting in this book. Everything we need to know, again, for a religious salvation is in this book. And some people, they say, well, there's certain topics that aren't covered in this book, but you have to look deeper in the sense that, let's say, for instance, you know, uh, um, what's a good example? Uh, rape, you know, child molestation. It's not in the Quran, but God says, you know, uh, violence is prohibited, uh, hostility, aggression, um, all these things, they're prohibited. So by de facto, these other things are prohibited as well. You know, God says that intoxicants are prohibited, meaning all categories of intoxicants are prohibited. It's not limited to just, you You know, God didn't have to go into such detail to limit every single transgression. He can use blanket rules in the sense of oppression is worse than murder. Uh, aggression is not permitted against those who aren't uh, aggressing against you. And by applying that, you know for a fact that you can't transgress these limits irrespective of what word is used. You know, God says intoxicants are gambling. Uh, intoxicants are prohibited. He doesn't need to go and say what kind of intoxicants are prohibited. You know, is a bourbon prohibited? Is vodka prohibited? Well, if it's an intoxicant, it's prohibited. Just like all these other, other sins and vices are prohibited, God didn't have to go specify every single one by name. In 1822, there's a perfect example. Is Sometimes we get fixated on things that aren't important in a matter. God tells us, like, say, the, the history of the messengers, the prophets, the uh, the laws, the regulations in the Quran. God is telling us what's essential for us to understand. But there's a human tendency on getting fixated on the things that are irrelevant. So in chapter 18, it's talking about the people of the cave. And we know there's a set number of people in the cave, and they also had a companion dog in the cave. And in 1822, it reads, some would say, there were three, and their dog being the fourth, while others would say five, and the sixth being their dog. As they guessed, others said seven, and the eighth was their dog. Say, my lord is the best knower of their number. Only a few knew the correct number. Therefore, do not argue with them. Just go along with them. You need not consult anyone about this. Meaning that there's certain questions, certain matters that have nothing to do with our religious salvation. You know, the question of how many people in, uh, were in the cave has nothing to do with the message of the people in the cave. This is something, it's a human tendency when God says the human being is the most argumentative creature. It means that God is telling us exactly what's essential for us to know in our religious salvation. When we come up with these guidelines that have nothing to do with the Quran to impose hardship on ourselves, to create new uh, prohibitions, to create new rules that have no foundation in the Quran, all we're doing is we're showing that we don't believe in God, we don't believe in the Quran, we're setting up a source beside it. And the Quran was designed specifically to address matters that uh, there was disputes among. In 1639, it says, he will then point out to everyone all the things they had disputed and would let those who disbelieve know that they were liars. So God is telling us that the religious matters that were disputed, he clarified in the Quran. And a perfect example of this is ablution. So before we perform our contact prayer, we have to do ablution. And the Quran specifies only four steps for ablution, meaning that if we have five steps, six steps, nine steps, however many, we're following a source beside God because God told us exactly the criteria of what's necessary when we do our ablution. And you think of it this way. God is the doctor. He gives us the prescription. And he tells us this is exactly what you need to do. Now, if I go and I do above and beyond that, then that means that I'm putting a source beside God. 
And the reality is there's some things that God is open-ended on in, in the sense of like, say, meditation, commemoration. What's a proper way to meditate? What's a proper way to commemorate? You know, what's a proper way to study the Quran? There are no fixed ways for that. But when it comes to certain things in the sense of how do you perform your ablution, God is very concise. Or what are the dietary prohibitions? These aren't matters that you go and look for additional sources. They're already in the Quran. In uh, five six, it says, "Oh, you believe when you observe the contact prayer salat, uh, you shall one wash your faces, two wash your arms to the elbows, three wipe your uh, heads, and four wash your feet to the ankles." Now, if someone says, "Oh, well, what you have to do is first wash your right arm and wash that three times, then your left arm three times, and then don't forget your nose and your ears and your neck," they're adding a source beside God. Because God is telling us very clearly, what is the ablution? What does this constitute? And I don't believe the prophet or anyone who is a true believer would add steps to what God has authorized in the Quran. In 6.121, it says, Do not eat from that upon which the name of God has not been mentioned, for it is an abomination. The devil inspires their allies to argue with you. If you obey them, you will be idol worshippers. So God is saying it's mandatory that before you eat, you say Bismillah, you mention God's name, you thank God for that food. But if someone argues with you and says, hey, don't do that, and you side with them, then they become your idol. And this is what's fascinating. In 5.6, God is telling us what the evolution constitutes, that it's four steps. If we add additional steps to that, or we change the criteria of what's in the Quran, all we're showing is that we believe another source beside God, and therefore we become idol worshippers if we were to do that. God tells us in the Quran, that every single thing in there, every uh, verse, every uh, word is meant for our salvation. And if we believe in God, we won't look for any other sources beside it for religious salvation, for religious laws. And we only follow that. And it's awesome in the sense that being able to debate with someone when they're debating in the context of you know uh, Islam and Muslim and being able to tell them that the vast majority of what they're saying has no Quranic basis whatsoever is a sigh of relief. You know, they have they attribute all these crazy things to the religion that have no Quranic basis. And these were um, put in by the devil through innovation uh, to create all kinds of vice and uh, just a terrible behavior. And the Quran contains none of that. And what's awesome is that this Quran, these 6,234 verses, 114 chapters, is all we need for a religious salvation. Now, anyone can find God, irrespective if they have the Quran or not. But God is telling us those who have this. In essence, it's the shortest distance to God. When God says in the uh, Fatiha, when we say, guide us in the right path, the straight path, right? The path of those whom you've blessed. What God is saying is via the Quran, we can have the shortest path to God. We don't have to go through trial and error. God is telling us very cut and dry what is right, what is wrong. And what's awesome about that is imagine you're taking an exam and they give you the answers. And that's what it is. In this life, we're taking a test and God has given us the answers via the Quran. He's telling us this is the guidance you need. This is the beacon. These are the answers to the test that you're going to have in order to grow and develop your soul. And it's up to us if we want to choose it or not. And God says that his words are complete, fully detailed. He has examples of everything. In 1819 says, say, if the ocean were ink for the words of my Lord, the ocean would run out before the words of my Lord run out. Even if you double the ink supply. I mean that despite God could go on infinitely, tell us every single criteria, every single transgression, every single uh, do and don't, but he's limited to these, this one book, these 114 surahs. And just by following these, we have everything we need for religious salvation. 
In 3.127 is all the trees on earth were made into pens, and the ocean supplied the ink, augmented by seven more oceans. The word of God would not run out. God is almighty, most wise. So this Quran is all we need for religious salvation. We don't need any other scripture, any other text. And again, you can find inspiration anywhere. But when it comes to what are religious laws, what is it that we have to do to grow and develop our souls? All those answers are in the Quran and the Quran alone. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments, questions, hit us up at Quran at gmail.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.